Eternological Diversions. Words. Churchill's love of words revealed itself, above all, in the way he enjoyed playing with them. On one occasion, it ensured that he lost a game of golf. Violet Bonham Carter described a round of golf he was playing against her, her father, the Prime Minister Herbert Ackworth. Churchill, who could play a good game when not diverted, but was easily diverted, was well ahead of Ackworth until he spotted a shrub with orange berries. Violet Ackworth, as she then was told him, it was a buckthorn, the olive of the north. He rose, she wrote, like a trout to the fly of any phrase, and his attention was immediately arrested and deflected from the game. The olive of the north, that's good. The buckthorn of the south, that's not so good. And during the remaining holes, he rang the changes on every possible combination and permutation of this mirage theme, which took his mind and eye completely off the ball. To act with delight, Churchill didn't hit another ball that afternoon and lost the game. During his long life, Churchill, as a boy noted for failing exams, received many honorary degrees. In 1946, at the University of Miami, on being awarded his doctorate of law, he remarked with a neat allusion to a famous line he uttered some six years before. Perhaps no one has ever passed so few exams and received so many degrees. Men will forgive a man anything except bad prose. It sounds more as though Churchill were referring to himself in his election speech in Manchester, 1906. In one of the many documents that came Churchill's way, a civil servant had gone out of his way to be grammatically correct and had clumsily avoided ending a sentence with a preposition. Churchill scribbled in a margin, this is the sort of English up with which I will not put. We must have a better word for prefabricated. Why not ready-made? He complained another time. He was, however, happy to use polysibiliatic terms himself on occasion. The difference being that it was often in a spirit of lightheartedness, irony, or condensation condemnation. In 1906, referring to the government's denial of the exploitation of Chinese coolies in South Africa, he said, perhaps we have been guilty of some terminological inexactitudes. Short words are best, and the old words, when short, are best of all. As is clear with the sections on politics and friends, it is not only terminological inexactitudes that flew and fly around the House of Commons. It is a happy hunting ground for the collectors of insults. And Winston Churchill once remarked, I do not think any expression of scorn or severity which I have heard used by our critics has come anywhere near the language I have been myself accustomed to use not only orally, but in a stream of written minutes. In fact, I wonder that a great many of my colleagues are on speaking terms with me. 
There is a story that an American journal once asked Churchill to look over the draft of an address he had written. It was returned with a comment, too many passes and too many Zs. The journal asked him what he meant and was told, too many levithine polysebliatics, like systematize, prioritize, and finalize, and then the passes. What if I had said, instead of, we shall fight on the beaches, hostilities will be engaged with our adversary on the coastal perimeter. The Times is speechless and takes three columns to express its speechlessness. This was on the issue of Irish home rule. Legend has it that on one occasion, as Churchill was addressing the House of Commons, a member of parliament called Wilford Palling stood up and shouted, You dirty dog. The rejoinder was swift and unenviable. Yes, and the honorable members should remember what dirty dogs do to Pallings. Churchill, always appreciative of words, enjoyed people's names, even if he might sometimes have given some cause for offense. As last of the so-called hanging judges, Rainer Goddard, Lord Chief Justice, from 1946 to 48, became Lord G.D., while at the Admiralty, Churchill's principal private secretary was called Eric Seal, appropriately enough, and it gave Churchill much pleasure to be able to ask a secretary to fetch Seal from his ice hole. And when the name of Sir Alfred Bosom came up, his comment was, Bosom, what an extraordinary name, neither one thing nor the other. The Admiral, the Admiral Sir Dully Pound had a name that could be played with, on receiving a report from the admiral, admiral, with which he did not agree, Churchill wrote under Pound's signature, Pennywise. <laughs> the essential structure of the ordinary British sentence is a noble thing. I think no comment is a splendid expression. I am using it again and again. I got it from the Sumner Wales, Churchill informed reporters at a Washington airport as he was leaving after a conference at the White House with President Truman in February 1946. Sumner Wales, the American diplomat and writer, was U.S. Undersecretary for of State from 1937 to 42. General Sir Matland Wilson. Jumbo C N C Middle East was elected was selected to selected in September in nineteen forty six to take the Greek island of Leros with a comparatively comparatively small number of troops. This is the time to high to play high, Churchill encouraged him. Improvise and dare. Later he wrote of the general, he improvised and dore. During the war, at a time when British shipping losses were particularly heavy, both the press and the BBC solemnly reiterated and emphasized the many reports of losses. In a memo to the Admiralty, 
Admiralty, Churchill complained wearily, must we have this lugubrious ingermination of the news of our shipping losses? Baffled, Admiralty staff, thinking his secretary must have mistyped insemination, hurried to their dictionaries to learn that ingermination means reiteration. Churchill could not resist puns, even when the circumstances perhaps did not call for levity. When on a tour of Africa in 1907, he was informed by a colonel governor that venereal disease was spreading at an alarming rate among the natives. Ah, Pox Britannica, Churchill diagnosed. On the same journey after a march over a hundred miles, Churchill turned to his private secretary, Eddie Marsh, and said, So fari, so goody. On a member's statement that economic planning was baloney, I should prefer to have an agreed definition of the meaning of baloney before I attempt to deal with such a topic. End of section two.